0: Hi folks and thanks for listening to this tortoise shack podcast you know what i'm about to ask you and i know you probably want to hit that forward 30 second button but please don't the tortoise shack is struggling along with many other media outlets only they have ads and sponsors and we don't only they're part of big networks that have big corporate owners we are not we are completely independent and we rely entirely on you guys to support us and keep the microphones on and the conversations that you love to listen to happening so if you're one of the thousands of people who are listening, please consider clicking the link at the top of the podcast you're listening to right now that says patreon.com forward slash tortoise and doing that little bit of activism, the easiest bit of activism you can do on a monthly basis. Throw us the price of a cup of tea and a scone and know that you're helping a left-leaning, progressive, independent podcast platform limp on and still platform the conversations that lots and lots and lots of people are listening to. And you do get a ton of additional content for that. And all of the podcasts are available entirely plea-free. So you don't have to listen to me beg on beg. As you know, I must. So one more time, patreon.com forward slash tortoiseshack. Come on board, join the community that we've built and help us keep going. Thanks for the support. Thanks for listening. I am going to stop rabbiting on. Enjoy the podcast. (laughs)
1: Welcome to Reboot Republic, the podcast that goes behind the headlines and looks at the big issues in this republic of inequality. We are the podcast of solutions and the podcast of hope, and I'm your host, Rory Hearn. Delighted to be joined on the podcast today. It's great. I'm actually in uh, Tony's studio, which is fantastic, doing so many podcasts. On Zoom, it's nice to be getting back to doing some in the real and I'm delighted to be joined today by two guests who I met at the Irish Architecture Foundation event on rent and they are renters, live in the housing crisis, but also artists who have a lot to say and have been doing a lot around housing and I'm really looking forward to this because they're actually funny and listeners will know I'm not very funny, very dry, very serious and all that. So we're looking forward to actually having a bit of crack and maybe... Putting some humour on this very very dark crisis. Um, so they are Eve Ward and Eve Woods. Artists, welcome to Reboot Republic.
2: Hi, thanks Hello. for having us. I have to edit out the funny part. Pre-
1: <laughs> ah <laughs> no no, we'll manage. We we'll... oh, it's too much pressure. No no no, no pressure at all. No pressure at all. Serious. Okay, well, well, we'll try and mix it up then and see what we can do because you were very, very funny at the Architecture Foundation and funny in the humour of, uh, yeah, the housing crisis. So in terms of your own um, sort of backgrounds and what brought you to this, you're artists who've been engaging with the housing issue, but I assume when you started your art careers, housing wasn't your primary concern.
3: No, um, and our work around or in relation to the housing crisis kind of started out of frustration in that we'd seen an open call about tours in Dublin and we thought, well, what? Are tourists going to be able to have a walking tour about in, like, say, 10 years' time? It will just be a tour of hotels. And we yeah. started this um, mock plan that then ended up being funded and presented at Culture Night 2022, uh, which was a walking tour entitled A Cultural Tour of Hotels in the Liberties. So, yeah, it was all born out of our frustration and also our coping mechanisms of humour.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what did you did, Eva? maybe explain, what was the walking tour that you did?
2: So, like Eve was saying, we were kind of commenting on when, like, so we're both based in Dublin 8. Yeah. And the thought of doing a walking tour of all the cultural spots in Dublin 8, like, because we're both artists, we're both very in tune with all the spaces that are gone now, basically, and all the hotels that are being built in their place or popping up so we planned an hour and a half route which really didn't even cover I'd say it covered like a quarter or maybe Mm -hmm. a third max of what was really going on but an hour and a half route around Dublin 8 where we focused on the new build hotels and then hotels where they had promised a cultural or community space you know like 10% that they have to do or something yeah um, and they haven't done it yet so we looked at them and we also looked at the abundance of like student accommodation that's like you know all these different companies but they're all so packed in close together So we kind of pointed at them and we were like, why are they here? What are they doing for the community in general? What they're doing is bringing in so many international students, which is great. Like students are fantastic for the community, but what they're doing is encouraging the students just remain in the student accommodation and not facilitate themselves within the community themselves. So you're kind of commenting in that way. Do you know, we're not like anti-students or anti-hotels, we're anti-them not becoming part of the community and giving back.
1: Well, yeah, it's it, it's amazing when you go around Dublin 8 and I used to live there years and years ago, I used to rent and I remember the, you know, the the level of dereliction on like Thomas Street, for example, and, um you know, Cork Street and I, I cycled up there the other day and I was literally in shock going, what the fuck has happened here in terms of the scale of student accommodation as you say of hotels and you just go where are the homes
2: yeah there's no permanency that's what we kind of struggle with because we're both renters in Dublin 8 and like we're lucky that if we just keep our heads down if like you we were saying in that rent talk in the Irish Architecture Foundation if we kind of keep our heads down maybe our landlords won't realise we're there yeah. just that's our level of permanency like I don't have a lease it's just like don't bother him yeah just somehow like don't bother him but
1: you don't have a lease
2: no, I got it on Gumtree. <laughs> it's a Gumtree apartment.
1: What? What's it? Oh, what's a Gumtree apartment? It's like you pick one off the tree.
2: <laughs> Notice that since I've gotten the Gumtree apartment, no longer can you like rent in that way from Gumtree. It's like okay, anymore. <laughs> like you can. I don't know what you can do, but uh, yeah, I just spent on Gumtree because there's nothing on Daft, and I need an apartment to live.
1: Okay, in. I'm showing my complete disconnect from your generation. What is Gumtree?
2: Gumtree is like adverts. Okay. Yeah. It's just another version of adverts. But country right. is kind of like where adverts goes to die. Like there's lots of weird stuff on it. And I always love looking at all the jobs people put up because it's just kind of bizarre things.
1: Okay. <laughs> Very good. So you have no lease and you're hoping what your landlord doesn't know that you're there. assuming assume you pay the rent. I
2: pay it in cash in person every month. But I'm like, don't notice me. Pretend I'm not here. Here's the money. Yeah.
1: In person, the landlord comes and collects it. I
2: come to collect uh, it. Yeah. I have to like meet him in the car park.
1: <laughs> so I assume then it's all legit registered with the RTB everything <laughs>
2: <laughs> they're listening <laughs>
1: of course it is yeah so you were able to claim your tax credit as well then not
2: Um. I mean I'm assuming Milano will never listen to this but yeah Tony And in case he does uh, one month he forgot to ask for the rent so we were like that's kind of the
1: you're taking that as your tax credit yeah
2: I actually was convincing myself that he was doing it on, in secret to be like okay. Guys, here you go. Here's a little treat. But I know it was turn.
1: Wow, the conversations you have in your head with your landlord must be quite <laughs> quite something.
2: It's riveting, yeah. It's a whole podcast up
1: <laughs> All these... Oh, he didn't turn up to collect the rent this week. Oh, that was the tax credit. He's actually really kind. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Let me get my uh, rent assistance. But, do you know, he gave me that
1: yeah. tax remodel. Oh, and Eve, you're... Have you such a kind landlord?
2: My landlord is
3: all above board. Yeah. Um, and I've been lucky enough that I've been renting at double eight 8 for like 10 years at this point, but with a few bits where I was living in other apartments, but always managed to come back to the house. But it is like a 112 year old house at this point. And uh, there's always that thing of, you never know if you're going to get to stay. So if I'd known 10 years ago, I could have been in the same place. Mm -hmm. You know, you would have put a lot more into it.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas
3: there's always that threat that you're going to
1: be gone.
3: Even like this year, our lease is up in November and we're like, will he give us notice? Who knows? Um,
1: So it is kind of living this permanent insecurity, isn't it? Yeah, (laughs) definitely. You know, but that's what your generation wanted, wasn't it? Like, you know, <laughs> just to live these like flexible lives and, you know, yeah, decide you want to change career and, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly. So I guess we'll just end there. That was.
1: <laughs> Does that drive you bananas when people say that? Like, you know, don't you want to, you know, the the idea of the generation, you know, the millennials and that, um, well, I don't know, you Gen Z or millennial, but like, you know, that, uh, <laughs> This idea of just living these flexible lives with no permanency and, you know, wanting to live, you know, jobs where you could just change and go wherever that, like, that's what you've been told that that's cool. Whereas the reality of that is.
2: It's a lot more stressful than the, I guess, ideal image and especially because we're artists. So we would like freelance quite a lot or work part time jobs yeah. and work unpaid as artists. And I think the image is put out there is like, oh, you're so much more free because you don't yeah. have to do what like, say my parents did where they. You know, got jobs straight away, didn't go to college and had a family and just lived that kind of, what would you call it, like routine life. So there is that kind of romantic image of that we can just, like, res- no kids, no house, or no responsibilities, yeah. <laughs> whatever we want. But it's like, that's not a choice that we made to, no. to jump around to all these random jobs and mm. be able to, or not be able to, but to have to be able to move with a month's notice consistently. And even with our artist studios, it's the same. Like I'm in a studio where like we have a consistent two month Kind of lease where like we have to be ready to go in two months' time, Like there's no, I don't know, permanency in the city, mm-hmm. it seems.
3: And it is really frustrating, say, when I'm pretty sure it was Leo Vragker said, you know, mm-hmm. that millennials do love this digital nomad lifestyle. Yeah. I and mean, like, even with all the developments in around Dublin 8, whether it's like the student accommodation, uh, which are also used as like temporary lettings and the apart hotels, they're like, oh, we, people want these one room spaces with no kitchen and no sitting room because they want to be out every evening eating at restaurants like yeah. that's just so stupid and it just seems like a really um it's just like an excuse of but a very idealized excuse um which isn't really feasible because people need to be able to cook for themselves and sit yeah. down and have a space that isn't just their bed yeah to uh, exist in
1: yeah and it's i remember the, the like one of the Big things that is, people have spoken about to me, uh, you know, around the housing crisis, the impact on mental health. And do you feel that, you know, living this kind of insecurity and looking forward, or do you see, look to the future, or, you know, do you feel yourselves affected by it, anxiety, you know, depression? Do you feel that? Does that impact, or do you just kind of motor on and, you know, keep plugging and doesn't really impact in that way?
2: I think if we didn't have art, I'd be just so dramatic. I'd be so depressed. I'd be so severely depressed. Because if I think of like my life in Dublin now, like all my friends are gone. I know I have Eve. But like all my friends <laughs> I went to college with, everyone has emigrated. No one can No one can or is willing to stay and put up with it, you know, or because maybe they're not lucky enough to have found a place like cheap enough. I'm doing- yeah, here, cheap yeah, enough to stay. yeah. Um, I think if we, have, we didn't have art to react to it, to kind of work through our mental health issues. In <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'd be kind of fucked
3: to be honest. Yeah, and I had my leaving cert in two thousand and eight. Yeah, so I thought like we've already done the hard part. <laughs> Maybe by the time I'm in my thirties, you know, things will have settled down, and we'll be able to start having. Homes and permanency, and not be like, oh, everything's kind of fucked at the minute. Uh, but even now, like, friends my age are immigrating again. And I yeah. thought we'd already done that. And then yeah. people do- did that, came home. Yeah. And now it's all starting again. Um, and it is really like, I don't know, there's a very big mix of people who's either left, uh, have left and come back, and are now living in their parents' homes. Uh, And they're considered kind of like lucky, especially if you live in Dublin City or Galway City, that you can still live in town, you're not commuting. um, But obviously, it really restricts your lifestyle and just even being an adult. And I think even if everyone's just plugging on and doing their life, because everyone's in it together. So it's like everyone probably is kind of anxious and depressed. And every now and again, somebody goes like, what am I doing with my life? This is not where I thought I would be at this age. But it's like everyone's in it. So everyone's just like
1: trucking ahead. Um, Do you talk about it?
2: Like our mental health issues with each other.
1: No. (laughs) Nobody talks about their mental health issues with each other. Come on. This is fucking Ireland. (laughs) No, I mean the housing crisis and the housing issue. Oh
2: my God, all the time. It's a constant topic. Yeah. Rent, like when I go home to my, because I'm lucky, well, I shouldn't be lucky, but like my parents live in scary. so like I could stay in Dublin and move home. And whenever we do go home, it's just a conversation about rent, what the rent is like, you know, like I have siblings still living at home and questions like, oh, are you guys going to move out? You know, and it should be an exciting thing. Of like, have you been looking for apartments? But it's like, no, it's so.
1: At what age are they? Are they in their...
2: I have a brother who, oh, I don't know, I think he's 29. Yeah. And then a sister who's maybe 24 or 25.
1: Yeah. And they're still living at home. Yeah, the figure is phenomenal. Like I was looking at there, it's like 75% of 20 to 29 year olds mm-hmm. in Ireland are now living at home. Mm-hmm. Like it's just.
2: Yeah. And I feel like we're just hanging on. Yeah, yeah. I'm literally like, at any moment, could be like, right, that's it, gotta move home. Yeah. yeah. And even like that, if you wanna, if you do want to get a house, it's like move home, save up, but you're going to be moving home for the rest of your life. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> and then that does affect people's mental health. Tell too God, like God, I couldn't move home. It would be insane.
1: <laughs> and, and that's what, yeah, the real, you know, mental health, not the real, but one of the big, yeah, is we had, we talked to um um a number of people around that on the podcast and that mental health impact of living at home, but describe the, the infantilization, this sense of just being, Like, as you said earlier, not being an adult, not able to determine your own life. And, Mm -hmm. you know, those things have been asked to, you know. Did you brush your teeth, you know, and, and all that stuff, like so many different ones of, you know, and uh, texting, you know, text me when, you know, when you're leaving. Like, because I have an 18 year old son um, and like I would say to him, OK, you know, text me when you're home or text me when you're leaving Where if he's going out. And then I'm, you know, thinking down the line, God, can you imagine like a late 20s still saying, because as a parent, that's what you feel. You feel like, you know. Oh, I want it, but then if they're gone out of your house, then you don't. This is a completely yeah. different relation. You're not going to text me when you get home if I'm in a if you have your own home because you're an adult. But it must be just so, like, yeah, the frustrations and uh, where is that then? Okay, you're expressing it through art, and I do see the increasingly art expressing mm-hmm. kind of the housing issue, and which is brilliant to see. But on a general level, you know, there is that question: like, where is the anger and? expression you know if there's so many people affected young people where are they Mm -hmm. and why isn't it being expressed
2: yeah I think there's just a big feeling of helplessness you know and every so often I'll kind of notice maybe like more kind of guerrilla style posters being put up and I'm like oh there's going to be a big search there's going to be a big protest Yeah, I feel like all the protests we've had so far like just nothing ever happens and it's so easy then to feel kind of small and maybe insignificant and be like well you know, nothing's going to happen so kind of what's the point we're just going to get through it and hopefully someone else will figure it out and do it for us. So I think there's a collective kind of depression where Mm. yeah everyone's mojo is gone. Right. Because it's been going on for so long. Like or everyone who had the energy to do something about it has done something about it and emigrated. Yeah. Like I'm taking charge of my own life and I'm getting out of this toxic situation. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's with any kind of activism, people do
3: it for a number of years and then they get burnt out and then it's usually like the next generation of people has to have that motivation to do something but like you said as it's been going on for so long and it doesn't seem like anyone's listening who has the power to actually do anything about it um but even we have talked about there is a general feeling of like an undercurrent of anger and kind of rage and like one of the things that we were working on was building um a volcano Right, as kind of a, a physical manifestation of this, brilliant, uh, and inviting people in to like work on the volcano as well, so we could talk about these issues, um, and that kind of the becomes charged, with yeah. The conversation.
1: <laughs> Excellent, I love it. What a great concept!
3: And it kind of goes back to um, like French protest posters, um, where they have this like volcano and that it is like the bubbling under yeah. like obviously the French celebrate protests so yeah. this idea that there's a volcano, everybody gets angry and it erupts and the eruption and that, that causes change like yeah. you have to have that burst of anger which I guess maybe is what we're missing if everyone is
1: um, kind of so
3: forlorn about it
1: <laughs> It's interesting you say like that collective depression and you know the mojo been gone and of course the emigration as well and that is something you know that We've spoken about a lot and I've highlighted that, you know, this emigration has always been in this like political pressure release valve in Ireland. You know, the the younger generations who are going, you know, this country is just like shit and I'm leaving. And, and because it it is possible from Ireland to emigrate in the same, you know, to countries like Australia, Canada, US, we have this long history, these long connections, you know, these abilities to, to leave Ireland, but yet, you know, meet other Irish people. So you're not really feeling like you're leaving in the same way that, and obviously English speaking, that there is that, um, mm-hmm. that it's like, there's not... And there hasn't been kind of real pressure to stay in a sense. And like I've tried to have that say to people, stay and change it, you know, please stay and change it. Because, you know, as you say, if you leave and if people are leaving and often they are the ones who have the energy and, um, you know, drive to go, look, you know, this is this is just not possible here. And I'm leaving and they are, you know, that brain drain mm-hmm. is happening. And I would say that is probably quite a big factor. You're saying like all your friends are emigrated and and the two waves of emigration, like yeah. you talk about as well, Eve, that, you know, just thinking about that there, that this is literally a generation who's been hammered by austerity mm-hmm. and had to leave. And now the housing crisis just, not now, the housing crisis has been going on for 10 years. It's like austerity straight into a housing crisis. It's like your generation really has been utterly, like I described sacrificed <laughs> to keep the privileged and older generations ticking over. Mm hmm. And, like, that generational inequality is so huge that, like, Mm -hmm. it's more than a bloody volcano is needed. Um, A tsunami. Like, when you think about it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy when you think about it like that. But I think people don't, on purpose, think about it because it sounds so terrible. (laughs)
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've been trying to get that across. Like, this is, like, literally, you know... Because you, people go, oh, where did the housing crisis come from? And, like, you know, did it come out of the air? Or, you know, and Vradker makes different reasons. But, wow, you just think about it. They they just went, you know, young people, they'll leave. Or, we'll, you know... Yeah. yeah. And this justification of the millennials being the flexible, as you say, digital nomads. And, you know, it's... Uh, and it's just... It was so like, and I remember saying at the time, like, you know, in 2014 and 2015 going, you know, what you were doing is going to screw future generations. And they just didn't care. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't. And that was part of the problem as well, that they don't, you know, this notion of, uh, it's Lancome, one of Lancome's songs, you know, it's the the sow will eat her own, you know, this concept of, you know, eating your own children, that there's Uh this you know, willingness to sacrifice their own children once they stay, you know, in their positions and it's Mm -hmm. that profound um, and it's that stark and, of course, it's difficult as well when sometimes, in a way, it's your own parents, Mm -hmm. you know, are part of that. Am I after just, like, bringing it so far (laughs) down (laughs) that you're like, fuck this, can we go now?
3: (laughs) What else is there to say? (laughs) (laughs) I mean one thing with people leaving Dublin or Ireland generally to go to other places is they're kind of exporting the problem like you Mm -hmm. see like loads of people are going to Berlin and then all the prices went up there and then Lisbon was kind of the favourite but like the prices um, in those places because of people who are you know maybe earning a higher wage from some company possibly a tech company and then it's kind of it's yeah it's just exporting the problem but even I think a lot more people would be immigrating if like places like, you know, the, it used to be like America, the UK, uh, Australia, like those places are still, might have more, have opportunities, but they're not as guaranteed. Like it doesn't yeah. seem as easy to leave and yeah. be like, oh, I'm definitely going to earn a decent amount. I'm definitely going to have somewhere to live because the housing crisis is worldwide, it seems. So like, you know, yeah. Dublin surpassed London a couple of years ago in rent, but it's still crazy yeah. to live
2: there. Um. But it's mad that it seems easier to us. Like that's still a like, yeah. option. Mm.
1: Yeah. And so, in terms of then, you obviously, you know, as artists and as citizens of this, you know, country and committed, you know, active citizens, you want to try change this and have done through your art. Um, and, and, in terms of some of the things that were, you did, okay, so you did the, the walking tour, which mm-hmm. you said about hotels, and you also did a piece on um, dere- a derelict site, wasn't that right?
2: Yeah, we did a piece called, was it called Open House? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so much art. Uh, a performance called Open House at this derelict site on the corner of Brunswick Street and North King Street, King Street in Stony Batter, Springfield, they're both the same, Um. And it's like this ruined, like, three walls of a house. Yeah. We went down there and we were like, let's just pitch it as, like, an open house. And we got people to come, like, prospective tenants who wanted to buy the house. And we used all the buzzwords from Daft and from all the property matters. You
1: were estate agents, isn't that right? You were, were Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Great. Yeah. <laughs> and we were just really up our own holes and, you know, pretending to open the door that wasn't even there, like, doing the tour of here's the kitchen, here's the bedroom, and here's the bathroom, and it's all the one room. But what was interesting about that performance was... We'd gone a couple of times to like sort of like talk about what we wanted to talk about for the performance and on the actual day of it uh, there there's builders in the back starting to like be like we're going to knock this down soon. Wow. And we had to be like these are our landscapers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind them. you we are like yeah we're starting so it was kind of funny. Mm-hmm. You know that's been sitting there for years and years mm. it was kind of cleaned up and turned into a garden I think just by the local community just like a nice pathway. Yeah. And like I think you should stay I think it's really cool. You know but it's another element of kind of like semi-cultural use that's going to be knocked for I don't know what's going to be there it's actually going to be apartments
3: um, fine. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we were like apartments are great more places for people to
2: live that don't have some sort of uh, uh, barrier in. like this new cultural element like yeah. it's, it's mm. like maybe the thing with the apartments like we talked about the bland marks and stuff and mm-hmm. the McDonald's of
1: What's the muck, bland marks?
2: Bland marks are bland landmarks.
1: It's bland landmarks.
2: So yeah, it's see. muck architecture. So
3: the idea that they have these plans that are basically. Bland
1: marks and muck architecture. I like this. <laughs> Go free. Yeah, explain. Use
3: worldwide. Like you could be in any city in the world and yeah. it's just like boring, ugly buildings that have no soul and they just replicate them
1: yeah. over and
2: over but again. You see that with all the new apartments. They all look the exact same. Exactly. And all the accommodation yeah. are the exact same. And their pitch is like. Oh, we want you to feel at home in any city you go to, but then what you're doing is creating this like non-home or this weird like remote home where you're like, I'm in Dublin, but I could literally be in the same one in Japan and what's the point? Just like what's the point of being in Dublin then if it's not even unique Mm -hmm. in any way? So on Francis Street, uh
3: in Dublin Eight, there was a, a planning for another Apart hotel on Francis Street, even right. though the Tivoli one, which knocked down the Tivoli. So, and people objected because they were going to knock down these two, I believe they were tenement buildings originally. Right. Uh, and it's like that, it's like eradicating the physical, cultural, um, like style of the area and the history and just replacing it with this like faux red brickwork which mm-hmm. they put in their planning as like, oh, it's in keeping with the style of the area.
1: Yeah.
3: Um. Very yeah. And so that was a good save because there doesn't need to be another apart hotel in Dublin 8. Um, and did you stop it? We didn't, we didn't but people ship, but objected done. Yeah, and it was being kept.
2: But I think with that development, wasn't that the one where, so there's the two tenement buildings and there's another kind of lot on the corner mm-hmm. and they put in planning permission to knock all three buildings and then something happened where they like accidentally knocked one wall and then a the week later like their planning fishing got denied but they were like oh we've already done it so maybe we can just mm-hmm. and they'll knock them all because they yeah. really done it by accident.
1: Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The strategy of yeah. mm-hmm. decay and then that's been a big part of yeah. you know, what they've done with anything that has any buildings that have heritage value or that might have mm-hmm. conservative value or conservation value. They leave them fall apart or then someone comes in during the night and accidentally knocks a wall. Yeah. And therefore, oh dear.
3: And there, d- there must not be any repercussions that they care about. Mm. Like maybe it's a fine, but it's nothing compared to the profits they're going to make. Mm. I don't know if it was here or in the UK they somebody... Accidentally, in air quotes, knocked a building and they were ordered to rebuild it brick by brick because it was a preserved building. And obviously, that cost way more money. And like, I feel like something extreme needs to happen like that,
2: that you can't get away with it. It's like a toddler's punishment. (laughs) (laughs) Most of your toys, you have to put them back in the box. (laughs) Kind of a just punishment, I think. Yeah.
1: But it is, it is, you know, symbolic of how they don't actually care about what. The area, it's it's the development is to make money. Yes. And it's not about like, what is this contributing to the area? Mm-hmm. What is it contributing to the community? How is it contributing? And it, it just, it's, yeah, it's another example of how our whole built environment is determined, most of it, by essentially, you know, what can make profit for investors and developers and mm-hmm. landowners.
2: Surface level, isn't it? Like, it's just that. It's just, what does it look like? Will people want to come live here? It's not like look at the people actually already living here what we can do for them
1: absolutely and people who need homes and Mm -hmm. because you know you just look at the the peripheral proliferation (laughs) of uh, apart hotels you know and they're going what the hell are these things like we don't need them you know we need homes for people and then the built to rent apartments as well which are just in the co-living and it's just you know it's the way and it's the absence of the state kind of, you know, and government and local government shaping... What is being done with all this this land and and places? There was a couple of at the Ar- Irish Architecture Foundation. You had some good stories of your <laughs> rental experiences that are darkly funny. Um, so why don't we give listeners a bit of a, a dark entertainment? I, I think there might have been some light entertainment too. But if I, was there, mold a lot of mold and damp involved in one, or was that? I'm trying to remember. What were your? If you have good example stories, would be great.
3: I have a couple. I mean, I lived in in Galway and I was renting an apartment. It's like opposite the Roisin Dove, which is now actually holiday homes. Okay, uh, it doesn't exist
1: if you Google it. Um, I've heard these these new yeah new apartments that were built and are just holiday homes.
3: Eighties, oh, I the believe. 80s, different ones, okay. Um, because they had a terrible damp problem, which in Galway obviously is so much worse because it rains all the time. But they were like it was so full of moulds because the bathroom as well it didn't have any windows, so it was just like to and this was like a fancy apartment in Galway and yeah. it was super expensive for what I was used to there even though it was 360 euro <laughs> for my own double room in a two-bed apartment which now like you couldn't get anywhere Um but that was absolutely moldy Um and it was never solved it was just move out you know that's the yeah. kind of thing people that's live hilarious. paint over it move out Um, just have the windows open all the time but like in saying that the house I live in now you know it doesn't have an extractor fan in the bathroom or the kitchen Um, so it is a thing of just having the sash windows open all of the time um, to try and get any bit of moisture out um, which even now in the summer it still doesn't work (laughs) Um, but then also I lived in a very very small apartment on Leeson Street which was in an old Georgian building so, say, the second floor, but then that floor, it's just one of the rooms, which was split into four rooms. Yeah. So, the one room is a kitchen, and then within that, there are wooden walls built. And in behind that, not even, like, fully – the wa- the wooden walls didn't even extend to the actual walls. So, there was a gap around it, but in there, there was a double bed, and that was my bedroom. And it was €700 a month to rent this room, which was like, a partition inside the kitchen – And then partition
1: inside the kitchen. It's almost sounding like a prison cell at this point. (laughs) (laughs) The the rooms you have to go to to get into it. Uh, walls.
3: Yeah. Uh, And then even within that, there there was a bathroom, but it was down steps because they had made mezzanine. Um. So, like, my boyfriend couldn't fit in the shower. He had to duck down to get in because you had to go down these steps, and it was like a little pod inside, and like that had no windows and then there was above that there were steps upwards and there was two little boxes which you couldn't stand up in either of them that they were apparently two other rooms one was literally just a single bed on the box like there was nothing else in there and the other one was a double bed and people did rent those while I lived there Um like I just moved in because a tenant was advertising the room yeah and I could not find anywhere and I was like okay this is relatively okay uh, but yeah, we lived there for one summer and I just lost so much sleep because you could hear between the seagulls waking up at five o'clock in the morning and being able to hear every single person yeah. in the apartment. And we were just tortured from the lack of sleep because you had no privacy. There was never a minute that you were alone. You go to work and you'd be like, oh, thank God, there's nobody here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was ridiculous. And the landlord owns, I don't know, I think I was told like seven or 12 buildings of which he has them all split in these rooms, which are then split into... And where groups. did you say they were? Uh, Well, the one I lived in was on Leeson Street.
1: Oh, on Leeson Street, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they owned about seven. It's incredible, yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, the privacy thing and noise has got to be a big thing, like...
2: Mm, yeah, totally. But, like, having roommates as an adult. I know you're used to it from, like, if you have siblings and stuff, but when you move out and you're paying a high rent and you're like, I just want an adult, have my own space, yeah. An
1: adult roommate.
2: Yeah, I lived in a mental house on, I, know, I won't say what street it is in case.
1: No, don't. <laughs> say area.
2: Say in Dublin.
1: And, uh, <laughs> you could, like, you know, Dublin 6, Dublin 8, Dublin 4.
2: No, I won't even say. Okay, go, It's go. definitely near the city. Yeah. Um, but I only lived there for two months because when I moved in and I was, it was like €450 euro for a double bed. So I was like, this is perfect. I will live here forever. This will you yeah. like... This is it, right? I mean, yeah. why would I ever move out of this lovely apartment, yeah. like really near my studio? Um, but when I moved in, the lander like put the rent up straight away, and I was like, surely I have rights, surely I can't. <laughs> I was like, anyone, someone, tell yeah. me, yeah, yeah. But they put up. So I had to give my month's notice. So I only stayed for two months, but it was just like, I don't know. I just it was like mental roommates, you know, where if I brought one friend over, it was a group text conversation. If it's having a party. <laughs> we were just watching tell Like we're actually not Like I wish we were Please So
1: awesome. were they complaining That you were having a party Or did they want to join in With the party
2: Couldn't tell I literally would be like Please come in And we'll make it a party This can You know we can all be friends Living yeah. together But no I think it was the person's Like the telly was in the living room And their bedroom was beside the, the, That room and instead of just coming in and being like, would you mind just turning it down a little bit like normal yeah. human beings who, who <laughs> share a kitchen, share yeah. a toilet. We should yeah. all really be able to have that conversation, you know. Yeah. Instead it was a text into the group chat of if is having a party and, you know, and I'd already given my notice. I don't know why there was so much issue. I was vaping, <laughs> but. Yeah. Yeah. The- but also threatening to call the police on me, which was mental. I was moving. Now, to be fair, I was having kind of a tantrum on this day because it was this specific <laughs> person who kept saying I was having parties and, like, getting me in trouble with the other roommate. And I was like, I'm not. I, like, I'm totally not. And when I was moving out then, I just put on some music, like, I will say it was a little bit loud, but I was having a tantrum and I was like, fuck you, I'm just going to play my music, yeah. pack up. I have so much to pack up because I'm moving out. And I came into the kitchen with like a passive aggressive note on the whiteboard, which is like antisocial behaviour would not be tolerated. Oh I, I will call the guards. And then I was like, "Oh God!" I literally like plugged out my computer. But I was like, no, I won't do this anymore. <laughs> um, yeah, crazy. So it's not even just the landlord. Sometimes it's your crazy roommates.
1: Well that has to be it as well. Like you know the, as you say the idea of living with, you know, strangers. Yeah, you know, I did live with other adults as well when I was renting, I remember and you know you d- you know it is tricky because you're trying to manage these different relationships. They were, you know, friends and um people I'd known, but then you get in somebody who's like, you know, you're like, mm, I don't really know that person and, you know, what are they doing? And then you're sharing these spaces and you're sharing bathrooms and um. yeah, it's very, and then when that's going on year after year and, you know, you're an adult in your late 20s, early 30s and it's like, God, why do I have to still try and manage? And then it's, you know, you mentioned privacy, you know, the ability to express yourself, you know, if you're having a bad day or you are mm-hmm. you don't want to talk to anybody or you're just whatever or bringing, you know, having relationships as well and all that. Like it's similar what people say when they're living at home with their parents and you know, the, you know, how do you bring someone home, and do you have to negotiate it with your flatmates, your parents. It's like okay. everything has to be negotiated negotiated. Like you know, and I
2: told you guys the story of when I was sharing a room with my best friend. So I mean, we were very close anyway. But I got a boyfriend that year, and I would have to text him and be like, "Can you come over?" Like we had two single beds in the bedroom, and like <laughs> Ali would have to like be like, "Yeah, I'll sleep on the couch." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
1: yeah.
2: Like how, Like luckily, we're so close; it's fine. But like that room before had been rented to two strangers like two strangers with two single beds like how would you figure that out yeah,
1: yeah. and now you're seeing rooms advertised like it's not two single beds it's like four bunk beds for mm-hmm. you know in six, seven hundred eight hundred euro yeah, it's, it's just crazy, crazy stuff like yeah. this like
2: they they called sofa beds got yes
1: going on down. I saw one of those the other day yeah
2: uh, I was saying to eat there's this new uh not a part of hotel. Maybe it is in a part of hotel in Dunleary called Niche Niche Living. Yes,
1: Niche Living. Yeah, and
2: like they're really expensive, and it's only for single people. Like specifically, they're like no couples, no relationships can happen in this whole building. <laughs> this is like single, single bill. But if you look at the pictures, they're like just.
1: But quite... will they allow relationships within the the development, or will they say no, 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 you can't?
2: Maybe they have to vet them all and see if they're appropriate. <laughs>
1: Um, but if you so maybe it's just a giant expensive Tinder, like or something like that, <laughs> yeah, you know. i
2: missing out on something. Um, but when you look at the pictures and the way they describe it, like it looks like the typical like student accommodation. Gym, yeah. All look the exact same. And yeah. I was looking through and I was like, where's this bed they keep talking about? And it's just a really fancy sofa bed.
1: Yeah. You fold it out of the wall.
2: No, it, it no like this, like a sofa and then you just pull it out. Okay. Like, like two grand a month and you're not allowed.
1: Yeah. You have a boyfriend
2: Friends. or girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, as we were talking about the
3: student accommodation, creating this like bubble where they have the gym, they have their laundry, they yeah. have some might even have like shop in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the students don't have to go anywhere else. So like, even though this isn't specifically for students, it's still creating that kind of gated community that is separate for everyone else. And like, as what's wrong with everyone else and adults? <laughs> it's like you shouldn't have to be like, please, can I bring somebody I know into the place that I pay two grand a month to rent? Like it shouldn't be. Oh, you can only come in if you have a pass card. Like you said, yeah. They what? They can only be friends with people in their building and only have relationships with people in their building because it's not
1: this allowed. Was, this like... was the this co living. This was the the boutique uh, boutique hotel, um, idea that. Uh, Owen Murphy, who was the Minister for Housing back in 2018, they developed this and they reduced the building standards so that they could fit all these apartments with this one kitchen space. And so yeah. you don't have a kitchen space in your apartment. You're It's like, whatever it is, 20 people potentially mm-hmm. could be operating out of this big kitchen space. And he was interviewed by, on News Talk Um, by, it was Kieran Cuddy, he interviewed him and uh, he was saying, oh, these are like, you know, a man goes, uh, you know, it doesn't sound great, like, you know, whatever 20 people sharing a kitchen and yeah, a hostel. And he goes, no, no, you need to think it's more like boutique hotel kind of thing. And your man across, he said, well, it sounds more like a prison. And, you <laughs> know, it's like, it's, you can see it and it's been advertised because it's so funny. A guy just, um, it's obviously just out and they're advertising it. A guy sent me on the link there um, to it and I was looking at it and I was like, wow, 2000 a month for a studio apartment. And you're just going... God, and, and they'll make it feel like, the, the description of it was like, this is heaven. Yeah. You know, this is where you want to live. And yet, as you say, it's only singles and it's probably a lot of, sh- they describe it themselves like short-term um letting and renting. So I was going, it's like a permanent Airbnb in a way that it's, go- I bet you it will be as well, you know, but it's like, this is the future. So w- at what point do these people become adults? Yeah. In the sense of being able to have a relationship like that, Single stuff is, at some level, yeah.
2: Yeah, because even like we're, well, yeah, we're not from Dublin 8, but, you know, we live there and we want to become, like we can feel like locals, but like you were saying, if you would know you're going to live there for 10 years, maybe you would have a totally different relationship with the area. Mm. Didn't know it was going to be not so temporary. Yeah.
1: And so you'd like to say living in Dublin 8?
2: I love Dublin 8,
3: yeah. Yeah, it's great. But But I just don't see that it's feasible like mm-hmm. I'm I'm in the I would say the last rental house on my street so a lot of them have bought up and um have extensions and lots of kids and things which is great but it is just that the the prices are rising and because they are getting the houses are being sold for so much that I just can't see that my landlord wouldn't mm-hmm. do it eventually yeah, so- like we're getting new windows in the house this year because it has the the original sash windows in most of the house, which are, like I said, like over 100 years old. So it's great, but we're kind of looking at it like, does that mean then that we're on borrowed time? Because once the windows Uh, are in and they're getting a new front door and everything, the whole shebang, but is it then that we'll get our notice and it'll be people looking at the house? Um, So it's kind of bittersweet because obviously new windows are great.
1: (laughs) Yeah, of course. But what they mean then.
3: Yeah, but he's
2: doing the windows.
3: Yeah, we have to not be in the house while the windows are happening. So everyone's like, do I go on holidays? Do I take a day off work? Do I sleep on my friend's couch? Do I go home? And can I work from home? And some people can't. And it's it's very...
1: Uh... So he's not putting you up in a hotel anywhere while he invests in his property and...
3: No, unfortunately not. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's unreal. It's unreal, the, the whole. And how do you, what do you think of the whole um, kind of discourse around landlords and in the media? And we saw, obviously, the, the eviction ban decision that, mm-hmm. you know, the government said it's scared that um, they had to lift it because all these landlords are leaving and landlords are being vilified by people like me and that's what's, you know, driving them all from the market. And really, we should be more considerate of the landlords. Should.
3: Yeah, the poor thing. It doesn't really matter if the landlords leave as long as the houses stay. They're not going to like fly away with them in their yeah. pocket yeah so i mean obviously the problem is if smaller landlords are being bought up by these vulture funds um which seems to be happening even with a lot of new houses that so people yeah are paying loads of money for a house just because they want to own the whole block and then they can have it as like a serviced you know mm-hmm. accommodation or whatever Um. So i don't think the problem really is with landlords leaving it's just that they need to actually put some controls on
2: totally. the
3: houses, like uh, keeping people in situ if the house is being sold, or even just having regular
2: like rental uh, rights, oh, cap. yeah. <laughs> like, caps, like, rights, permanency. Like people, like the regular person now, the lay person would be a landlord. Do you know? Because it's like I can earn a year's living whilst doing nothing. Do you know? Yeah. You shouldn't be able to earn that much from renting two two bedrooms in the city. It shouldn't Mm -hmm. be that you can earn 20 grand in a year off that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The
1: rents need to be reduced, don't they?
2: Absolutely they do. I mean, like I'm on social welfare and I can just about pay my rent, but I should be able to pay for somewhere (laughs) shitty on social welfare. Like That should be the minimum. It should be that everyone can survive paying rent, being really poor but like on social welfare that should be the minimum. Like I think
3: the way in some places like I believe in Germany it's done by the square meters. Yeah. Something like that. Like at least that kind of puts some sort of a regulation on it that you can't. And I know some places are nicer than others so I don't know how that works. But there has to be some way of controlling it. Mm -hmm. Whereas people go like oh you're all being so mean to landlords it's not their fault it's the government failure that they're not providing housing so then the landlords are just taking advantage <laughs> <Yes>. of
1: <laughs> that's what i say it's not like, yeah. it's not like fairies magic fairies come along and say oh the rent is going to be five you know an extra 500 this year it, each landlord decides to increase the rent that is, is true like a,
2: show a bed in here we're in this teeny tiny room and it could be like 600 euro
1: don't tell tony
2: Oh, it could be like 200 euro. <laughs> <laughs> no, if this was 600 euro, people would think that was good. Exactly. They'd be like, yeah. fantastic. Can I pay you more? Actually?
1: Oh my God, the room the size of a coffin. Like, it's. Yeah.
2: And even like, I don't know, I have such a thing with adults having to pay for single bedrooms. I'm like, if you're moving out of your parents' home, you should get a double bed. It should be standard that every adult mm-hmm. deserves a double bed. Yeah. Whether yeah. you're in a relationship or not, you need this thing. <laughs> like, the independence yeah. of having a double bed. Uh-huh. Like, paying seven 800 euro for like a shitty single bed in a box room. Like, what's. Mm-hmm.
1: Or a shared room. Or a
2: shared Even worse. Yeah. Or a stranger.
1: Yeah. Or a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Like, I have a friend who moved over from Brazil. And she said when she first moved here, she shared... It was like three single beds in a room with two other guys. And I was like, "Hey, that's not safe. Sure, like two men strangers. But like, I mean, she was fine. It was fine. But like, imagine arriving to a brand new country. Mm-hmm. And this is a situation mm. you're put in that all you can afford is a bed in this like hostile room with two men strangers. And mm. like, it's crazy.
1: Do you think about politics and who, who you might vote for at the next election? And do you think, you know there is an election, there's local elections next summer and then within the next year and a half there's going to be a general election. Do you think about that as a time Well, I'm going to vote then on the basis of housing? No, you're shaking your head, no.
2: Personally, no. I don't know. Politics kind of go over my head. I think that's just my, I don't know, I'm 26. Maybe it's just a young thing where I have quite, yeah. maybe this year I'll look into it. I just find they change so much and they say so much that never happens. Yeah. Maybe that's the thing where we're like, well, we'll just do it through the art and we'll make our comments anyway through the art because... Mm-hmm. everyone who I've researched and voted for never does what they say they're going to do anyway. No one can fix it. Like, no one person can fix it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of just ignore them because everyone says, people just want to, like, say things that sound nice to get the votes, surely. That's the kind of mindset I have. Mm-hmm.
3: So
1: okay. I just, you know, Interesting. I definitely
2: know I'm not
3: voting for Fianna Fáil,
2: Fianna Gael.
1: Yeah. They
3: are just looking after themselves, it seems, and landlords. Yeah. Um, But then other than that, I'd still be making up my mind over who would be Actually, as you said, going to do what they promised. Yeah. They say
2: so much. Like, how do you know they're actually going to do it? Mm -hmm. Do you know? It's like going for, I don't know, student (laughs) principal or what's the word?
1: (laughs) Student politics. (laughs) Yeah.
2: So you're like, well, do it. Like, do it first and show me you've done bits of it. And then. Yeah. It does seem just hard to trust. It's hard to trust anyone these days.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So young and so cynical already. But it's understandable when you've been shafted so much. Um, I think that it's that I I think that the elections are very important because mm-hmm. even if the you know a government is elected in and they don't do exactly what you want, I think that you know if there's a vote and young people vote like they did around repeal and like they did around marriage equality and are seen to vote as a block for you know, around housing, for example, and wanting major change, that government will have to at some level do that, You know, yeah. we do live in a democracy and I know it feels like we haven't for many years because we've had the same parties going in and out. Of course, we've, you know, voted them, but they, um, that there hasn't been that responsiveness to, you know, as I said, they've sacrificed your generation. So it's understandable that you would feel completely cynical about it. But I think with a different government in power, it would have to be different. And again, that comes back to Well, number one, young people, I think, have to vote. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, and have to really mobilise and vote and say we're voting. Um, And the second thing then is to do all the different aspects that you're doing, like the art and the campaigning and all those things that kind of pressure a government Mm -hmm. to make changes. So if they don't start making them, that they see this other pressure. It's not like protest is going to go away if there's a change of government and change isn't happening. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think of that?
3: Yeah, I think... um, as You said so many artists have been making high profile work about the housing crisis lately, mm-hmm. and I think that's really useful. Uh, and as we said, like, as everyone, it might feel a bit stagnant, yeah. Um, that with us being able to approach the subject with a bit of satire and hopefully make it a bit funny, that people can engage with it, but yeah. not be you know, you people kind of go, Oh, I just can't talk about that anymore, yeah, it's constantly on your mind. Yeah. So, if we can talk about the subject with humour but also then like on our tour we'd be walking around like especially like the Mill Street student accommodation because there's like four to five different companies there uh, and we'd be telling them the facts because they have a big gate up there and in their planning they said that it was going to be like a through road it's going to be lovely and now they had this big gate up because they said it was... Um, because of antisocial behavior. Yeah. so we know nothing happened. So they put the gate up and they were told, I think, to take it down yeah. and they just haven't. So there's this yeah. big massive yeah. gate there yeah. making this private community. Um
2: No, they were asked. They asked if they could put a gate up and DCC said no. And they did it anyway. And they did it anyway, but they put yeah. one up and they're like, "Yeah, but look this map this gate had like a laser cut map of the liberties in it." So
1: wow. Oh, so it's
2: So it's cool yeah. now So it's
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a piece of permanent art yeah. installation. Yeah.
2: But then nothing was done. I mean, DCC said no. They did it anyway, and there was no like we're saying no toddler repercussion of like mm-hmm. now take it down. Like you yeah. said, no yeah. bringing people on the tour and telling them this. You know everyone's gasping and being yeah. like,
3: yeah. how can people get away with this? Or like in Newmarket, where they said that they would replace the the lovely markets that were there. You know, there was the food co op and there was the vintage market mm, the weekends. Yeah, they said that they would build an indoor market space to retain some of the character of the area, and then they put in. um a planning to change the use and they said that oh well actually the space is too small for uh, a proper market so it should be a spar and off-license because that's essentially the same as a market space which it's not and everyone knows it is it isn't Mm -hmm. so yeah like on our tour there everyone's like gasping as well so just being able to
2: communicate this to people in a way that is engaging
3: and not like
1: absolutely that's
2: I'm sick of this yeah it's also so hard to trudge through all the planning permission documents like being a little cross side looking at them and trying to decipher what they're actually saying yeah Yeah. we like it's a terrible translation, but we're like, basically, they're going to do this, guys. Yeah, know? yeah. It's so hard to to know what's going on. But even that new market space, that's crazy because how how could it be too small if they built it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you built it, though. You yeah. To do it. yeah. It too small on purpose. We know what's happening. Yeah. yeah.
1: But the, the, the tours, I think the walk-in tours are a really interesting way of engaging people because you always see that you know, when you walk around a city and it's explained and, and the different buildings and what's yeah. going on, it's fascinating and it does completely open your eyes and it kind of does show as well that there is that whole need for awareness raising and engaging people so that they go beyond just that individual atomization of, you know, there's nothing I can do and sure it's all just happening anyway that actually, and and, and often not seeing kind of the reasons why things are happening, but those walking tours are brilliant and um, to do that and highlight things like the dereliction and the scale of hotels and um and you've got some projects coming up, haven't you, in terms of do you want to talk about those briefly before we unfortunately have to draw to a close today's sermon?
2: So from the first walk-in tour, we were kind of focusing a bit on the old Tivoli site. So we like started there and kind of ended there where they built the State City Apart Hotels. But within their planning permission, they were going to have an indoor exhibition space, an outdoor public performance space, mm. which is there. But it's like a laundry room and it's like not finished, not cladded or anything yet. So we kind of commented on that on our first tour, which was about a year ago, last September. And we were saying like, you know, their priority was to open the apart hotel, not to open this space that they promised for the community, which probably helped them get over the line because they were taking away the Tivoli and taking away the yeah. mm-hmm. you know the car park with all the graffiti and stuff on it. So we have been talking to the person what's her title? It's like the cultural cultural lady. Um, <laughs> and we're gonna have a show there in August. So this year. Mm -hmm. badgering but we're gonna get to like put an exhibition on in the performance space and we were talking to them recently and they said that BAM, the music college are gonna put a gig on next month so things are finally starting to happen so like I think our whole shtick is we're not against the hotels we're just like do stuff for us you know make Mm -hmm. us be involved don't just take up an area of our city Mm -hmm. as a big block especially because in the new
3: um DCC development plan anything that has over 10,000 square metres has to have a community or cultural Mm. space Mm. built into the plans, part of their planning permission. So a lot of our tour is saying, this is what was promised. They never
2: gave any of this. Yeah, Um, It's also saying like, like, we just go in and ask for it. So like, I think there was a comment, we were in, I don't know, we were in a talk like a couple of years ago and someone was like, what's going on with that Tibley? Like there's, weren't they meant to have an exhibition space? But then like from us walking in mm -hmm, and kind of asking for it, maybe that's it, people aren't, Confident enough to, yeah, yeah, them. yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Trying to encourage yeah. people to reclaim their public spaces, and if a hotel pops up, go in and be like, "Well, what are you doing for me? Where is the gigs? Where is the events for the hotel people and the community itself?"
1: Yeah, so that's yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to do. Well, it just shows the change you can make when you do things, and you know, may, yeah, and make, yeah, <laughs> make things happen and raise your voice, and that <laughs> is absolutely, you know, it is. It's yeah. great. Anything else?
3: Um well, as part of that, we do want to invite any groups that are around Dublinate okay. um that may have used the Tivoli in the past or just need a space to do something. Um So if anyone does want to use it while we're there, that's our that's our plan. Yeah. We want to have it as a theater. An exhibition space, you know, if people want to do their... Yeah. ...keep you up device. in his baton
2: twirling, anything where you need a space, yeah, bring, it bring it in. It. The hyper-community space, you know, like there is no community spaces, but in two weeks, can we just incorporate every single community group? Okay. Maybe one, <laughs> one spot, maybe have like a community games or like an egg and spoon raise and just have
1: very good. in there. You know, yeah. Excellent. Great. Well, listen... Eve and Aoife, it's been wonderful having you in um, and really enjoyed the chat and thanks so much for what you're doing, highlighting the the housing crisis and, yeah, encourage your generation to um, find that rage. The volcano, when's the volcano happening or has that happened?
2: The volcano... Oh, we have another new exciting thing! Is the aircon box actually? Oh yeah. So the volcanoes try to take it a, a back step because we're getting an aircon telephone box.
1: Okay. Telephone booth. Yeah, I do know them. Yeah, I remember oh, them.
2: Yes. So that's going to go on wheels, and it will be wheeled around the city as kind of like a, a wheeling exhibition, <laughs> <laughs> a, portable a portable gallery slash
3: office space slash. Home is kind of what we're thinking about. It's like it's the first time Ethan and I have owned anything. Okay. Like we almost we considered property. Ah,
1: okay. So, Very good. I like it.
3: Um, We have a deed of this uh, really old uh, phone booth that was beside Spitalfields yeah. uh, in the Coom. So we're going to have that as part of our project as well. Oh, that's
1: so cool. This I is our property ownership. Apartment. Property okay. ownership. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah.
3: can physically get inside it, have a bit of shelter. Maybe even have a phone in there.
1: <laughs> have a party, maybe. Yeah, great. Yeah, see, could you subdivide it a bit? You know, put maybe a mezzanine layer in there, and no kitchen. because you don't need a kitchen. No, no, you don't. No, no, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I can, can I ask? Can you do the volcano? I think the volcano is a brilliant idea and
2: yeah just paper mashing we'll
3: have to incorporate it into our exhibition because the but you
1: could do it as a made. form of public protest like yeah. if you got like you know surely you know somewhere young people to stand outside the doll with like this mm-hmm. volcano and hold it and just let it like we're about to explode and mm-hmm. I don't know I think it's a brilliant concept
2: yeah mm-hmm. get loads of silly string or something get yeah. to, you can make it proper you know like when people do it in the science fairs in America. <laughs> anyway <laughs>
1: There must be there must be like thousands of volcano making stuff in science uh, labs around the country. Secondary yeah. school ones. So
3: every secondary school makes their own volcano. <laughs> yes, yeah. brings it as uh, a yeah. doll. That's <laughs> it.
1: Wreck their heads. Exactly. Okay. Very good. Let's let's leave it there. Listen. Thanks so much for joining me today.
3: <laughs> thanks, Rory. Thanks for having us.
1: And uh, listeners, as always, if you can become a patron of the Reboot Republic podcast. Uh, part of the Tortoise Shack media. We are independent producer media, rely completely on our patrons. Thank you so much to patrons who are supporting us. Uh, Go over to patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. Check out um, our podcast. You can go back over. We've had um, a number of very, very, really interesting ones recently. We spoke to nurses down at the INMO about the impact of the housing crisis on nurses. Also, Trisha Keelty from St. Vincent de Paul on poverty and isolation Um, And also uh, check out Meryl Streak on um, his new song, Is This Um, If This Is Life, which you can download and features myself as well over voice sampled on it. Um, Very, very well done, Meryl. But you can check that out. And we chatted to Meryl recently as well. Um, Yeah, so listen to the podcast, spread them around, and we will talk to you all very, very soon. Thank you so much for listening.